So Money Episode 960, Eve Rotsky, author of Fair Play. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. So I realized that if this was happening to me, the little girl who said this was not going to happen to her, the woman who's trained, I'm Harvard trained to use my voice. I'm a mediator by training. If this was happening to me, I figured... And then I went out to find out that this was probably happening to other women. Eve Rotsky, author of the now New York Times bestseller, Fair Play, is on the show today. We're very lucky. Eve is doing a worldwide tour right now for her book. It is in the Reese Witherspoon Book of the Month Club. As I mentioned, New York Times bestseller. She's been speaking everywhere. Good Morning America, all different stages. I actually saw her speak at a recent J.P. Morgan event and thought, I need to get her on my podcast. And I reached out. She immediately responded. Turns out she loves the podcast. She's read my books. And here we are. It's a privilege to have her on the show. For anyone listening who feels as though they have yet to really figure out domestic work in their relationships to make it a quote unquote fair play. Eve's got the book, she's got the game, she's got the manual, and she has the science to back it up. It is a fascinating conversation about how she arrived even at this topic how her work is impacting families, in particular men, and simple steps that all of us can follow to have more peace on the home front. Here's Eve Rotsky. Eve Rotsky, welcome to So Money. So happy to be here. I love your podcast. Well, thank you. And I love everything that you're saying in your new book, Fair Play. Quick question. Has the Nobel Peace Committee reached out yet? Because (laughs) this is conflict resolution at its finest. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I will say that... um, I have a, I have a very private job. I, you know, no one really understood what I did. You know, I used to say I'm a philanthropic advisor and mediator. And then thank God for the HBO show Succession because now everybody <laughs> knows what my clients look like. And um, and I feel like those skill sets, you know, have have now really helped me in fair play bring those mediation and conflict resolution skills to. Uh, to all of us. I'm sure you've seen this book. It's everywhere right now. It's in, congratulations on New York Times bestseller list. Thank you. And Reese Witherspoon's book club basically is a revolutionary real world solution to the problem of unpaid invisible work that women have shouldered for too long. And you, Eve Rotsky, have been tapped by Reese Witherspoon as the expert on this topic for a new generation of women. But how did that happen? How did that happen, first of all? Like, I want to I want to get to the business of this first. How did this happen? Oh, well, um, it is, it's been a seven-year journey. Um, so it wasn't overnight. Okay. No, it is definitely <laughs> not overnight. This is a seven, this is a seven year, uh, this is what I call my unicorn space. We'll get into that. But, um, I ended up with a giant passion for the gender division of labor and it all started, um, after a text my husband sent me that I talk about in the book, right? My second son is born mm-hmm. and my husband sends me a text that says, I'm surprised you didn't get blueberries. And literally... <laughs> 
<laughs> Thank God for that text. I say this to Seth all the time. He, we're still married and we are living fair play every day. I like to say I'm not just the hair club president, but I'm his <laughs> first client or whatever that old commercial was. Um, but at that time, after my second son was born and I received, I'm surprised you didn't get blueberries text. I pulled up to the side of the road and I just started sobbing and you can picture the scene. Mm. Um, I had a breast pump and a diaper bag on my passenger seat. I had returns for a new baby in the back seat, um, which is great that they gave me the gifts, but the store policies are like one day and I didn't want to waste, you know, waste the, the money. Um, I had a client contract on my lap with a pen stuck in between my legs, trying to mark up my client contract at every traffic light red traffic light stop on the way to pick up my older three-year-old from his transition toddler program that in America, since we really value working parents, lasts like 10 minutes. And even though I was going to be late to pick up Zach, I had to pull over, take a breath, cry over this. I'm surprised you didn't get blueberries text. And as I was thinking, you're sitting there crying, thinking, um, you know, I used to be able to manage employee teams. And now I'm so overwhelmed. I apparently can't even manage a grocery list. (laughs) And more importantly, how did I, how had this happened to me? How had I become the default or as I call in the book, the she fault for every household and childcare task for my family, including apparently being the uh, fulfiller of my husband's smoothie needs. But also like, how did your husband arrive at this place where he uh, expected you to be the grocery whiz? And all the things. Well, that's it, right? I mean, this shouldn't have happened to me because I'm a product of a single mother from eight years old while I would help her. Um, that's why I became an organizational management specialist, I think, and a mediator because I was always um, helping her mediate with my father and also uh, working on her piles of late eviction, you know, late utility bills, eviction notices. I would pull out things from the mail if I saw a red sign stamp on it very worried about those things. And from that early age, I realized that I didn't want to live like that, that I was going to have an equal partner and I was investing, going to invest in making that happen for myself. And I married that equal partner and things felt really, really fair. We took turns doing dishes, ordering in food, marking up each other's, I marked up his operating agreements. He helped me get my, he marked up my interview questions to get my dream job at JP Morgan. Um, and you know, two kids later, I'm in this situation. So I've realized that if this was happening to me, the little girl who said this was not going to happen to her, the woman who's trained, I'm Harvard trained to use my voice. I'm a mediator by training. If this was happening to me, I figured, and then I went out to find out that this was probably happening to other women. So many women. And I think what's so beautiful about this book and the aftermath is that men are picking this up and the families are so they are. grateful. They are. I it's, mean, it's just, yeah, that, I was going to say this is sort of breaking news, but you know, it's the book's been only out for you know two weeks or, and um, we, we have, you know, unsolicited emails, info at Eve Rodsky. It's not even where people would find me. You know, normally people find me on Instagram or something. But at this email address, um, we have over 300 emails that have come in. And my um, the woman who's helping me sort through them said 70% are men. Wow. So wow. how cool is that? Oh, my yeah. gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a new oh. stat for you. <laughs> really, really cool. The hook of this book is really that it's a game. You've gamified yeah. this. 
Yes. <laughs> it is a game. It is a absolute, the heart of fair play is a game. And the beauty of this game is that you hold task cards. There's a hundred cards in the fair play system and each you and your partner, you hold cards that you value, that you've talked about before, that you value. And then it's not a death sentence. You don't have to hold them forever. You redeal, but it's all based on the rules of that you find in the book. But everything you need to know about the fair play game, I like to say and that you can learn from just one word, and that word is mustard. And what I mean by that is somebody in your household knows that second son Johnny, your second son only eats protein with French's yellow mustard, that that's how he gets his protein down. That's in the business world what we call conception. Then someone has to be the one to notice when the mustard's low and put it on a grocery list along with other groceries for the week. That's what we call business planning. And then someone actually has to get their butt to the store to purchase the yellow mustard. And that's in business what we call execution. And that's where men step in. In my research, over 500 men and women that mirror the U.S. Census, I found men were stepping in at the execution stage. And that's a big problem because they bring home spicy Dijon, the gross mustard <laughs> with the seeds in it. Forget or even ketchup. the right category. Yes, right. Yes, but the category, right. But it, when they do bring home the right category of mustard and it's a gross one with seeds in it that your son would never touch. Yeah. Then men all over the country were, and actually the world, because I have interviews in Japan, the UK, Australia, and Norway, they're saying to me, I'm not, I can't do anything right. I'm failing at the home stuff because even when I go to the grocery store for my wife or my partner, because this happens same sex couples too, I'm being shamed because I'm bringing home the wrong thing. Hmm. And then women, women all over the world were saying to me, Eve, you want me to trust him with ownership of our estate planning, our living will, our healthcare directive? He can't even bring home the right type of mustard. And so it's not about blueberries, right? It's not about um, mustard. It's really about trust. And it's not about getting to 50-50. Like the, no. the, it's not about you get no. 50 cards, I get 50 cards. Let's talk about that too, because I think there's some confusion there. Okay. Very important. If all your listeners take away yeah. one thing, it's that I believe 50-50 is the wrong equation. 50-50 has been holding women back for 100 years. And what I mean by that is it's never 50-50. And so when you don't get 50-50, and this is what I found in my data, expectations and disappointment are what come out of that. And then people tend to give up and say, I might as well do it myself in the time it takes me to tell him how to do it. When you focus, we change our focus off of 50-50 and we focus on the full mustard situation, on ownership, mm -hmm. on someone who holds a card with full ownership, with full conception planning and execution, even if it's one card, you are bringing home the right type of mustard and it changes the dynamic of trust in your relationship. I found it over and over again in my, my beta testers. And this is the good news. The good news is science backs me up. Yeah. The good news is the science shows, and I went deep. I went deep with my in, with my uh, con, a consultant uh, who's a gender division of labor expert, Professor Darby Saxby, and an intern I got out of her lab. Um, we went deep into the literature, 
into the science. And the truth is that perceived fairness is more important than actual Mm -hmm. fairness because you don't even know what does actual fairness even mean? It's how we perceive it. And that's why your fair is going to look different than my fair. And I can't tell you what your fair is going to look like, but I can develop a system Mm -hmm. so that you can develop your own fair. And that's really what fair play is. Do you find that the rules of the game are different when there is a partner who isn't working or a partner that makes exponentially more money? And the reason I ask this is because we put so much value. There's so yep. many, like there's so, like the card that you hold that is breadwinner. Um, there's a perception that that is, that holds so much weight, you know? And so yes, it justifies yes. like, well, I'm not going to do all the laundry because I ain't got the most important job. So in those cases, and I've written about this in my book, you know, when she makes more, I've taken a a seed of your idea, which is like, don't ask for help, ask for accountability. When you ask, you know, like, don't like, you know, help me with the dishes. Like the kitchen is your domain. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, that's it. I mean, I feel like if you and I both talk about this, let's go on the road together because this is literally, and I ordered your book by the way too. Um, Yes. It is all about, it is all about accountability. And this is the beauty of it. The beauty is that men, back to the men, right, 70% of men who are requesting this book and asking me questions, they want accountability. They want ownership. They want to know their role. Everything else that has come up before Fair Play, I read every seminal book and article. They're saying things, even the New York Times, you know, that I love, has articles in it say the way you fix this one woman's suggestion was to train your husband by acting helpless. Another one was move to a foreign country where your husband knows the language and you don't. So he has to fill out school forms. I mean, this is how, this is the conversations we're having. How unproductive, right? But when you sort of flip the script, like you're saying about accountability, it's how our best organizations work. And so all I'm asking is that we treat our home with some respect and rigor. That we stop, we retire the three toxic words, figure it out, and we actually figure it out in advance, not in the moment. And that way we're not fighting over mustard. Mm. We're not, oh, we don't have mustard in our house. Oh, go to the store and get it. Go buy me tampons. And so men are telling me they're running around. One man tells me that he's locked out of his house over a glue stick. (laughs) You can't make these things up. So he's driving around White Plains, New York, <laughs> at, thinking to himself, do I wait till my wife cools down? Do I bring the glue stone, oh glue stick God. home now, even though I forgot to bring it home before? And she says it was the last thing. It was just one thing that I, she asked me to do. Do I drive into New York City to go get a hotel room and stay overnight? Mm-hmm. I mean, these are the conversations men are having. It is unfair to them because we are not giving them the accountability or the ownership. And fair play is about when you give over that card. You hand it over. And by the way, it does take us doing some education. So some left-wing feminists, you know, my mom is one of those. I know some of her friends would say to me when they read the manuscript, well, shouldn't men be the one? Shouldn't we be inviting men to have these conversations? And so Farnoosh, what I'll say is like, you can do that, but you'll be waiting another hundred years. Yeah. So let's be Nora Ephron instead of being, she says, like, you can be the victim of your own life or you could be your heroine, right? So let's... And it's empowering. It's imp- it was empowering for me to sit down with Seth in a new way and say, I don't want to just sob over blueberries. I want to tell you that I feel like my time isn't being valued the same as yours. We used to value each other's time so fairly. And here's what I mean. I hear you saying that you're in charge of extracurricular sports for our sons. 
And I know that, that you mean well by showing up at the field, but here's what I'm doing behind the scenes. I'm deciding what sports they should play, conception. I'm planning 18 items behind the scenes. What equipment they need, ordering it off of Amazon, returning it to Amazon when it doesn't fit, filling out enrollment forms, signing a, a waiver, figuring out how to log into some AIYSO portal, <laughs> trying to figure out how to peel that damn portal. snacks, right? You know, the damn portals, peeling oranges for snack day. And I want you to own this, own it in the scheduling, getting them to practice, own this for me, own this one card, and you're going to give me eight hours of my life back. Amen. Well, and how he did does, it? He how did does, it? How does outsourcing fit into this equation, into this model? Because I'm a big fan of just if neither one of us wants to do it or has the capacity to do it, or frankly, you know, it's just easier to have it be outsourced. Some families, Absolutely. I mean, did you watch Absolutely. that very first episode of the Marie Kondo Netflix series? There was a couple where yes. you needed to go in yes. there and really like figure, like you need to go in there and figure it out for them because they well, weren't getting it. it to me because there was a slate article or, or uh, yeah. some, some, some article said, this is not about uh, tidying up. This is about the gender division of labor. Exactly. And I said, oh my God. It, he yeah, didn't, it was, yeah. The husband <laughs> did not value outsourcing laundry. He's like, my wife doesn't work. Yes, she she's taking care. She's taking care of two toddlers. Um, nobody uh, wants well, listen, to do laundry. Listen, okay, you're right. You're totally right. And this is why there's suits in the game. So this is where my professor also helped me of the of um, the gender division of labor of psychology. We worked on it together because what we realized is that I wanted to use her research, which is that men choose ultimately choose tasks that they can do in their own timetable back to the value of time. Whereas women are choosing tasks that they have to do in their own timetable, like making school lunches, picking up the kids when they're sick from school. Whereas men were doing things like lawn and plants, right? Watering the plants <laughs> when they had had time. So those are called the daily grinds. The, some of those daily grinds are outsourceable, but some of them aren't. So even if you think laundry is, there's still 50 cards in the fair play deck that are not outsourceable. Because typically, and this is from my data, Typically, you're not outsourcing taking your child to get a haircut. You typically go with them. Mm -hmm. You're not outsourcing medical and healthy living. Like if your child needs their adenoids out, you're on top of that and you're going to be there for that surgery. And you're gonna, your child has special needs, you're going to be working on their IEP, their individual education plan. So, so it was very important that there was different suits because then you can look at the suits and say, yes, there's a green suit called home. There's a green suit called um, – there's a yellow suit called out. Those suits, and you'll, you can download them on fairplaylife.com. You'll see them in the book. Those suits, those suits are a little bit more outsourceable. But when you get into the caregiving suit and the magic suit, those aren't. So even if you outsource the execution of, say, child care helpers or babysitter or laundry, there's still somebody who's holding the conception and planning of that card. I'm a huge execute, executor outsource fan. And I say to my husband all the time, I appreciate you outsourcing, getting my children to, to sports practice, whoever, whatever carpool, whatever parent, as long as it's safe and they have a booster seat, you want to outsource that. That's wonderful. But they're going to be the one texting you to pick them up and whether they're late outsource the out of it. <laughs> just, just as long as I don't have to conceive and plan it anymore. 
So that's yeah. how outsourcing comes in. It's really the execution step mm-hmm. where somebody in your home is still probably holding the conception and planning for most homes. Right, right. Oh, you've simplified this. So you call this your unicorn space. You feel like this is your your billion dollar idea. Is that what that, is that means? Or well, yes. Well, the unicorn space is is sort of changed how I wrote the book because I'm as I told you, and from what I said about my clients, I'm really into fixes, right? I'm a organizational management specialist, a mediator. I'm really into solutions. But what happened was along my 500 plus couple journey, right? The interviews with men and women from all walks of life that mirrored the U.S. Census. There was a theme that was too hard to ignore. And it was a theme of identity loss for women after kids. And a lot of it happened to stay-at-home moms, but it was also happening to women, as, as I define in the book, called new superwomen, who do have a very intense job and are doing all the cards and are parenting. And they sort of – all these women were saying to me, I don't even know who I am anymore. I'm either on a treadmill or the stay-at-home mothers. A big data set of them were saying to me, you know, yes, I have three Ivy League degrees, um, but I'm an object at rest. It's physics. Objects in rest stay in rest. Objects in motion stay in motion. And now that I'm an object at rest, I don't have unicorn space or I don't even know what I what my passion and purpose is beyond being a parent. And that's dangerous. It's dangerous for marriage. And it's really dangerous for self-worth. And it's really dangerous for longevity. So this idea of being you what makes you you and how do you share it with the world? That's what unicorn space is. It's based on the reason why I call it unicorn space is because it's like the mythical, beautiful, magical equine Mm -hmm. that's white and gorgeous. And, you know, you see it in flying, flying in the sky and whatever you, how, or, or rainbow, however you picture your unicorn, right? This beautiful, white space for your brain, creative space, magical space, whatever you want to call it, it doesn't exist just like a unicorn unless we can reclaim it. And that is only, I believe, in the context of domestic rebalance. Mm -hmm. I find it very women shaming to hear about find your passion and purpose on top of the CBD oil pedicure I'm supposed to get and be a size two and have my hair done and all this crap, right, that I'm supposed to be doing on top of what? Holding all the cards? Not when I'm crying on the side of the – on the road furnished with with blueberries and having a pen sticking me in the vagina. That's not – I'm not thinking about unicorn space at that time. Sounds like if there might be a cohort of readers out there that could use some therapy too, because this is also some mindset work that needs to happen in order yes. to really. Oh my you know, God, you're so, we're going the road together. Okay. <laughs> I, I, well, I think it's so important that you, you set that up because a lot of people say to me, why isn't just fair play a game? Why couldn't this just be the cards? I mean, I could have done it as like a, whatever those are called, cards against humanity, but 190 pages are the data and the, the wokeness. Mm-hmm that I need women to come on a journey with me, right? Not every woman's going to come on that journey. But when I say to you that we are the worst purveyors of the toxic time message that women's time is less valuable than men, a lot of women don't believe me. And so then I go out and try to prove it to them. Women all over this country don't value their own time. And that's what the crux of the issue was. It was not about glue sticks or blueberries or mustard. It is the core crux of the problem was back to this, whatever it's the patriarchal trauma or whatever it's from, 
we don't value women's time the same as men. We know that from equal pay issues, right? We know mm-hmm. that in the workplace, but it's insidious in the home, insidious in the home. When we run our own companies, women, we pay ourselves less than when men run their own companies. Correct. So, you know, so the it bu- is definitely happening on your side, right? Mm-hmm. On, on, you know, I'm sure so money, we could do a whole, you could do a whole, an entire another podcast, right? On sort of the time value of, of worth of time and sort of how that measured into equal pay issues. But on this side, women were saying to me things like, of course I should hold more cards and pick up the extra slack because my husband makes more money than me. Mm-hmm. Though that's a terrible argument because like I just said, yeah. women, men will always make more money than us, even in the same jobs. So let's throw that to the side. Another argument we have to throw to the side. I'm a better multitasker. I'm wired differently. I went out to the top neuroscientist in the world. Women are not better multitaskers. We do not have any different executive function than men. And we know this because men are CEOs all over using their amazing brains and and capacities to conceive and plan and execute, just not in the home. But what one neuroscientist said to me off the record, so I have beautiful neuroscientists who tell you women are not better multitaskers (laughs) in the book, but this is an off the record quote. And he said to me, imagine you can convince half the population that they're better at wiping asses and doing dishes. How great for the other half of the population. This is a man saying this to me. Hence our Forbes list. Look at our Forbes list last month. Top 100 CEOs. What do 99 have in common? Mm -hmm. Genitalia. Men. They're men. Right. So those are are the things we have to cast aside. The last one I will say that really got to me was in the time it takes me to tell him how to do it, I might as well do it myself. So I went to the top behavioral economists in this country and they said, that's such short-term thinking for women. You, of course you want to take the time to tell him how to do it now so that you can invest all those extra hours long-term in your career and your passions and your unicorn space in the, in the raising of your children and the connections, human connections, adult friendships. So these are all toxic time messages that we have to work on ourselves and each other and help us through them. And that's, uh, that is fortunately and unfortunately why fair play had to be a book because we have work to do on ourselves before we can get to the gameplay. Whoa, this is so good. This is so good. I want to know when we're going on the road. What's next yes, for we're you? Gonna, we're going the road together. You've only, this has been two weeks, everybody. What's another two weeks going to look like? And what is the hope for the journey that you want to, you know, that you want this to ultimately have? What is the body of work here? Well, thank you for asking that. Actually, no one's ever asked me that. Um, I, What's I like your five-year plan? I, did like my, <laughs> I like my day job and I really liked um, raising my family. You know, I like both of those things. But, you know, it, there, I'm not Rosa Parks, but I will say a quote that's always been very resonant for me from her was when she asked about the fear, right? The fear of standing up and speaking, you know, against sort of social norms and obviously, you know, in very important ways. And she said, you know, when your mind is made up, you, sort of the fear diminishes. And I sort of feel that way for my journey that like my mind is made up that this is going to be the message that I shout from the rooftops till the day I die, that all time is created equal. And until there are a society where we value holding a child's hand in the pediatrician's office, as much to society as we do an hour in the boardroom, nothing's going to change. 
And so that's, that's my contribution to the world is to continuing to shout that from the rooftop, that an hour holding our children's hand in the pediatrician's office mm. is as valuable to society as an hour in the boardroom. Thank you so much. But one last question before we go, we have a Chase connection. I know that you um, yes. worked at JP Morgan. I'm This podcast is sponsored by Chase. And we're, we're asking guests this month, this is airing in November, about what they're grateful for in their financial lives, because there is a correlation between gratefulness and being rich. Wow. Cool. Science has so found you're teaching that. me something too. That's so cool. <laughs> the more grateful I we love are. Stuff yeah. Like that. Yeah. So um, in the spirit of that, what is something that you're really grateful for in your financial life, Eve? I'm so, so grateful that I was able actually to use the skill sets that I started cultivating at JP Morgan, actually, and growing into a thriving practice where I was able to be my own boss. And I think the the gratefulness I have of that is that it's really scary to go out on your own and it requires a lot of logistics management to manage clients and working with accountants and hiring your own employees. But I feel so grateful to have had the opportunity to be my own boss. And now you're teaching us all. You're the queen of parlaying, you know? Oh, yes. I'm a parlayer. You're a parlayer. I love it. Um, Yes. But you know how, the other thing I will say, I'm grateful for the unique experiences I had that people may not even know are going to help them later in life. What I will say is skill sets you may not know are going to be parlayed. Just lean into, into what you're doing at the time because those skill sets often show up later on. It absolutely does. Everything, every minute is an investment. It's an investment. Every, it, yes. And I will say back to women out there who um, are not earning money at this time and are in partnered relationships. I will say to you that you are valued. You, these cards matter that you're holding. Um, your work is important. And I think that we should just make sure that women know that there is a lot of value in raising good human beings. And men, we got a lot of stay-at-home dads out there. Yes. And stay-at-home dads for sure. For sure. Stay-at-home dads as well. Eve Rotsky, thank you so much. Fair play. Thank you so much. Thanks so much to E for joining us. The book again is called Fair Play. It's on all bookshelves, literally every single bookshelf. Go to the airport, go to Barnes and Nobles, go to Amazon, go to your independent bookstore. It is there. It is flying off the shelves. So make sure to quickly get your copy. It is going to maybe save your relationship. I, I don't say that lightly. I think that this really has the potential to transform familyhood for the better. If you missed any of this, head over to somoneypodcast.com. You can also click on Ask Farnoosh while you're there. Send me your questions for the Friday episodes, Ask Farnoosh. Also there, let me know if you'd like to co-host. And as always, hang out with me on Instagram. My handle there is at Farnoosh Tarabi. I'm constantly answering your questions through direct message on Instagram. So let's join the fun, huh? Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And I hope your day is so money. <laughs>